Hello, Gator Nation, and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Happy hump day to everyone out there in podcast listening land. Hope your day is going well and you're getting excited as we inch closer to week two of the college football season. On today's show, we will discuss the comments from Dan Mullen, Felipe Franks, and some other players who met with the media. We'll look back at how Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer stumbled upon the RPO and their spread system at Utah and how it has evolved in college football and beyond since then. We'll also bring you comments from Dan Mullen concerning Felipe Franks and how he has handled continued criticism since his week zero performance against Miami. We'll also hear from Felipe himself on how he's handled that as well as the bye week. And in the final segment we'll discuss the backup quarterback situation and Florida's options with Emory Jones and Kyle Trask who will get the first snap on Saturday against UT Martin and what does it all mean for Florida this season and at the very end of the show we'll bring you Mullen's thoughts on Ja'Kai Polite getting cut by the Jets last week and how things have gone south for him since he declared early for the draft but we're going to kick things off with a blast from the past because former Florida coach Urban Meyer was on Fox Sports this past weekend and while he was on the show he broke down his spread offense, specifically the RPO element of it and how it was basically invented at Utah on accident. They kind of stumbled upon the play in practice on a pass that Alex Smith made and Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer and the defensive coordinator at the time kind of stopped practice right then and there and had to figure out what they just did and then continue to rep it over and over and came up with the RPO. And it was some really cool comments from Meyer. We'll bring you those in a second. But just how that kind of became a staple in their system, how they were able to have a ton of success at Utah, then bring that to Florida, and how it has kind of evolved in the game of football since then. But in this clip from Urban Meyer, he doesn't just talk about the RPO. He talks about the spread offense in general, the principles of it, what their philosophies were when they built this system, and it was always about equating numbers in the run game. That was the primary goal of their system and what they try to do with their play calls and how they design certain packages. They wanted to equate numbers in the run game so that their backs weren't getting hit, weren't getting outnumbered. Obviously, they would spread out the field. They used all these different options to come in and out of the backfield and incorporated the quarterback into the run game to create what we now know as a spread offense. Now, as Meyer discussed in this clip, there's been so many things that have branched off of what he created at Utah and and different versions of the spread and what have you. It really came down to trying to run the football first and foremost. And what they were able to do in terms of the RPO, it all started from the run game. So we'll play you this clip here where Meyer talks specifically about the RPOs, how they kind of stumbled upon it in practice, and where they went from there. This is spread 101 back in 2000. Now let's go back at Utah. This is the mistake or missed assignment by the H-back that we kind of fell into. He ran a bubble instead (laughs) of blocking the man. Alex Smith's my quarterback. Set and go. I read you. I get a pull. I think you're going to block the outside linebacker. I start to run. Alex Smith, being the very intelligent player that he is, flips it out there, and he takes off running. I'm standing in the back, back here, and I like, what was that play? <laughs> Kyle Winningham, my D coordinator, comes running at me with a script. said, I've never seen that play before. What is that? 
And I said, I look at Dan Mullis. I've never seen that either. Do it again. <laughs> that was the evolution wow. of the spread offense. Wow. That was some good stuff from Meyer right there. I think it's important to note that he's kind of crediting Dan Mullen for that. Now, obviously, Mullen didn't call that play. He didn't call that play. But right then and there, once they discovered it, they had to then work on it. They had to continue to rep it. They had to figure out what they had discovered and then work it into their offense. And who was responsible for that? Well, it was Dan Mullen. He was his offensive coordinator, play caller, quarterback coach. And as we all know from their time together at Florida, he was the guy that was upstairs dialing it up with Tim Tebow as the quarterback and making all those great memories on offense. But it all started in those practices at Bowling Green and at Utah when they were developing their spread offense and kind of discovering things. And as we'll hear in a few moments from Mullen, it didn't just end there with Alex Smith and that RPO. They continue to find new ways to attack teams offensively and, and ways that they can get guys open within their scheme. And, and this continued to evolve over time. But, but what's really cool about it is, obviously when they figured it out at Utah and they found the formula and they put it in place, they had the undefeated season, a ton of success. Meyer and Mullen were hired to come to Florida along with their staff and try to put that blueprint in the SEC. And as so many folks will remember, at the time, there were so many naysayers. There were a ton of folks who doubted whether or not this spread system and this offense that they were running at Utah would work in the SEC. There was a lot of people that had their doubts. And initially, there were some struggles for Florida under Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen within that first year. They had some really tough losses, especially that one at Alabama. They had to go back to the drawing board after they lost to LSU. That was a game in which Meyer shed tears in the post-game press conferences. It was that bye week before the Georgia game where they incorporated Billy Lasko into the offense and revamped their spread system so that they could do a better job of getting some offensive production and making it work. And they found a way to have some success with those packages against Georgia. And from there, their system just continued to build. Obviously, in 2006, when they got Tim Tebow and they got Percy Harvin and their other playmakers, the offense just took off from there. Yeah, there were some initial struggles, but within that first year, and especially after those losses at Alabama and LSU, a lot of folks thought that this just was not going to work in the SEC and in college football, period. As Dan Mullen talks about in this clip, you see it all across not just college football, but several NFL teams run the spread, run the RPO within their system, and it's now seen all throughout the game. And it really can be traced back to that practice and that time at Utah when Meyer and Mullen were together and he was his offensive coordinator and calling plays. It's just amazing that they've had that much of an impact on the game with their system and the way that they designed their offense. Here were the comments from Mullen that he had to say on Wednesday about the spread offense and the RPO that he built with Meyer at Utah. I thought those early years we were pretty innovative uh, in trying a lot of new things that were out there. But I think a lot of those come sometimes from seeing somebody else or seeing something that you know maybe wasn't done exactly right or someone made a mistake and you kind of you look at it and say hey that could be a good idea let's really look into it and polish it up and and I thought we did a lot of that throughout our years you know we we've you know kind of looked and you you kind of run some plays and you stumble into some things and if you try some new things and creative things we arrived at Florida however many years ago everyone's like oh that that's kind of fun at Utah but that'd never work you know at Florida, and now, I mean, that's one of the, you see it all over the NFL. <laughs> and so not only, you know, it works, a lot of people do it. Those were Mullen's comments on the RPO and his spread offense that he developed at Utah with Urban Meyer. When we come back from this break, we'll bring you comments from Felipe Franks and Dan Mullen about the criticism that he's received this past week and how he's handled it during the bye. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. 
The NFL season begins this week, which means Crossover Wednesday is back. For the entire NFL regular season, you'll get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from Opposing Sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcast, and be sure not to miss the NFL listeners' favorite segment. No House Advantage is taking an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests. This platform levels the playing field, so you have a higher likelihood of winning here than when playing traditional fantasy sports contests. Each contest contains anywhere from 5 to 10 player props. For example, will Tua throw for more than 2 TDs? You simply select over-under for each prop and rank each pick based on your confidence of it being correct. You'll earn points based on correct picks and compete against other players for cash prizes i'm telling you guys it's an extremely fun daily fantasy contest to play that you can actually win no house advantage offers contests across college football nfl mlb nba college basketball pga and nascar download no house advantage from the app store and use the code locked on to receive two free tokens when you purchase two tokens a ten dollar value that's code locked on to receive two free tokens when you purchase two certain state limitations may affect your ability to participate in paid contests Welcome back into the show, Florida fans. In this segment, we're going to discuss Felipe Franks and how he can move forward from the Week 0 performance against Miami, and certainly not too many negatives to move forward from. He had a game-winning drive that he led the Gators on, threw for over 250 yards, scored some big touchdowns in the game, and yet has faced a lot of criticism, not just in the week after the game, but even a week removed from the game, you're still seeing national commentators and other folks come out and speak negatively about Franks, be it his play on the field or his conduct off the field. And while Felipe came out and kind of defended himself last week in the media, it's been now more than a week since he's had a chance to move on from it, get back into practice mode, worry about the next opponent. So he was asked on Wednesday about how he's been able to do that, how much he's ready to get back to football after all the talk surrounding him since the Miami game. And it's interesting because if you look at his numbers and strictly his play on the field, which was also scrutinized along with his celebrations, but you see Franks' numbers and compare them to some of the other quarterbacks in the SEC who played in week one, Franks actually had a better outing than a lot of those guys and got a better result when you consider the win over UM and the role that he played in that victory. You saw other quarterbacks either not put up numbers that were as good as Franks or even struggle some in their season debut. So I think it's all about perspective. Certainly we talked about last week how good the Hurricanes are defensively, particularly in their secondary. And for Franks to have the success that he did through the air, it's something that he can build upon. Now last year he had his light bulb moment against South Carolina. And he was able to build upon that in the next game against an FCS opponent. He threw for five touchdowns in the first half, was able to sit out the second half, get a lot of confidence, chemistry going in the passing game that really carried him into the next week at Florida State where he had an even better performance and then followed that up with his performance in the bowl game. Franks was asked Wednesday if this could be another opportunity for him to have a big game against an FCS team and continue to build his confidence. And while he understands that he's going to have a great chance to do that, that's not really his focus going into this week. And it sounds kind of cliche, but he's just worried about getting better from one week to the next. Going back and correcting the issues and the things that he does need to work on that he saw on tape with Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson, and then focusing on that this week in practice, 
Because at the end of the day, those are the only opinions that matter. And that's what Mullen has tried to drive home to him, not only this past week with all the criticism that he's been dealing with, but really from the moment that he took over as Florida's coach and began working with Franks, he knew that outside criticism, outside noise, people having negative things to say about him was something that weighed on Franks. And he's done a really good job over this past year of getting better with that. And even it's something that Franks acknowledged on Wednesday. But first, let's bring you those comments from Mullen about how Franks has handled criticism he's faced the past week. You constantly stop worrying about what's out there and worry about what's important, right? Um, outside opinions aren't as important as inside opinions, and you know. And, and as soon as you figure that out, it's just hard to do. Um, you know, because not everybody knows what we're supposed to be doing, right? on each play. And so it's, it's really easy to judge everybody. Oh, well, he should have done that on this play. How do you know what he should do on that play? Right? I mean, you didn't game plan it. You didn't in the meetings and in the schemes and all that stuff. So that's, that's the overreaction part. But I think he's been okay. You know, I mean, he's, he, I, he's grown through a lot of that stuff. Um, but it's always, always hard when, you know, I mean, people don't like to be, you don't like to be criticized. So nobody likes to be criticized, but what you got to do is really be able to block out what's important and what's not important within your criticism and really worry about how, right, um, if I'm criticizing you or Coach Johnson's criticizing you, that's what you, you need to worry about that criticism. You know, that's what really is important of what we, what we think you need to, to do better and get fixed. Really like the perspective there from Mullen on how Franks needs to deal with these things and how he can move forward and worry about the things that matter. And I think if you listen to Franks talk from his comments Wednesday, that's what he's doing. That's what his mindset is. He gets asked about it pretty much every time that he has an availability because it's such national news. He's such a lightning rod when it comes to the media. And it's something that he's just had to get used to. I think by now he's learned how to tune it out and just focus on football. But he did address on Wednesday how he's not been letting it affect him. There's a lot of things that everybody can get better at. I think me personally... Yeah, there's always room to improve, but just as a quarterback, I think leadership-wise, this, that, the other, bunch of things to improve on. Um, but I think Coach Mullen and the, the team, I mean, I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, like I said, we played, you know, fairly well, but a lot of things that we can clean up, and I think we're just only going to progress and get better. So it's kind of my main focus right now. Like I said, everybody's going to have an opinion, whether you like me or not. I mean. I'm here to win games. I'm here to become the best person, best player I can be. Um, and that's my main focus. You know, what everybody else thinks isn't really my main concern. So, uh, you know, everybody's team has my back, coaches have my back. Um, and really that's all I'm, I'm worried about. Family has my back. So. You feel like you've really evolved in that respect, though? Yeah, I mean, that's what I try to do. Uh, like I said, I'm here to win games. We won. And uh, that's my main focus, and now my main focus is UT Martin. But yeah, I think I did a better job, or I am doing a better job of you know, blocking that out. It's not my main focus right now. My main focus is being a Tennessee Martin, UT Martin right now. So. Good stuff there from Felipe. When we come back in this break, we'll discuss Dan Mullen's comments about the backup quarterback situation, who will get the first snap against UT Martin, and also Mullen's thoughts on Ja'Kai Polite being cut by the Jets. Everyone loves the comfort of their own home. But there's nothing like going to a game and being a fan in the stands. And whether you're looking for seats on the 50-yard line or front row tickets to see your favorite band in person, Vivid Seats is here to help you. 
Vivid Seats is the top source for purchasing event tickets in the online marketplace. You can search for seats by section, row, and price, all in the Vivid Seats app. The in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards, allows you to purchase tickets to any concert, game, or show and earn credit towards your next live event. Visit the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Do that and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From sporting events to theater shows, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the Vivid Seats app and become part of their loyalty program today. Welcome back into Locked On Gators, your team every day. In the final segment, we're going to discuss what Dan Mullen had to say about the backup quarterbacks. Certainly, we know there's not a lot of questions with Felipe Franks. We still don't know who's going to relieve him against UT Martin and take the first snap in that game. When you look at the depth chart, it's listed as an or between Kyle Trask and Emory Jones, so it's really up in the air who's going to take the field first. Dan Mullen did say on Wednesday that fans and media are going to read way too much into it, that it's really not going to matter in the grand scheme of things, and certainly as the season plays out, a lot of it is going to depend on how the games are going, who the opponents are, who's more suited to come into the game and have an impact for the Gators. It's going to vary from week to week, and it's going to be different this week against UT Martin than it might be on the road against LSU later this season. So you're probably going to see Kyle Trask be the guy that takes the field first. I think that he's earned that right. Florida should have a situation on Saturday where both he and Emory Jones are going to get plenty of playing time. Both guys are going to get in the game and get some series. And if that's the case, then it really doesn't make a difference who goes in first. But if it has to be one or the other, I think this is the game that goes to Kyle Trask. As far as who will be the backup moving forward, a lot's going to depend on the situation. If it's just who's going to come into the game and relieve Felipe when it's a blowout, I think that you're going to see some situations later in the year where Emory could get those opportunities as well as Kyle Trask. If you're talking about a guy coming in for a package or just to have some plays in the game, I think that you could see that more likely go to Emory Jones, especially if he comes in to run the ball. He's much more of a threat to do that and bring something to the table on offense than Kyle Trask. If Felipe, God forbid, were to get hurt at some point this season, I also think who replaces him could depend on the injury. If Felipe is only going to be out for a couple weeks, I think that you could see Kyle Trask be the guy that gets the call and will be the backup until Felipe returns. If Felipe were to suffer an injury where he's going to miss more than a month or an extended period of time, you could see them turn to Emory Jones if they feel like he's ready and want to start building for the future. Those are all scenarios that Florida doesn't have to worry about until they cross that bridge. The good thing for Dan Mullen is that he's got two other guys behind Felipe Franks that have played meaningful snaps in SEC games, not just mop-up duty. They've gone in there, and they've been asked to throw the ball. They've made big plays, and they're not going to be like a deer in the headlines if they ever get their number called in the game. And I think that's what matters most to Dan Mullen as far as who takes the first snap on Saturday or what their numbers look like or who gets the most snaps. It's really irrelevant. At the end of the day, he wants to make sure that both of those guys are ready and prepared should they get the chance to start. And I think that that's what this game is about. Here were his comments on Wednesday about the backup quarterbacks and what he hopes they gain from this game. I don't mind getting those guys in all the time, um, you know, if we can. And, you know, those guys work hard at practice to go get reps. And so, uh, but it's also, you never know how the games are going to play out, you know. Um, you can never get enough reps at that position. So, uh, but I, I don't know. It's, I think that's critical at every position, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I don't know if it's more important at that one than other ones. Uh, but, you know, that one gets a lot more attention than the other ones, it seems to. 
Uh, I will say this. If we do get a second quarterback in the game, whoever the first one is to come into, you guys are going to make way too much out of already. You'll be reading way too much into whatever you see uh, how that happens. You know what I mean? But, but for me, there, there are guys I'd like to get in. I think you, 40 plays is a lot to play in a game. And we had the last game, we had a bunch of guys play more than 40 in just the flow of the game. I, I'd rather keep it where guys are fresh and healthy and throughout the whole, not just the game, but the long haul of the season. And to do that, you got to rotate guys in and you got to be comfortable in doing so. So this does give us an opportunity. Hopefully the game, I'm not just talking about the score, just even the flow of the game that, you know, in the, the first quarter, we're able to roll guys through that we feel comfortable with having them in there. On Wednesday, Mullen also discussed Ja'Kai Polite being cut from the New York Jets. He has since been signed to the Seahawks practice squad, but this is certainly bad news for the former Florida Gator and the latest negative headlines that he has received since declaring early for the NFL draft. It's just been one thing after another for Polite in terms of his NFL draft combine, where he went in the draft, and now his time with the New York Jets. He was reportedly cut after not just failing to impress them on the field, but having some issues off the field. He was late several times to meetings, received fines, racked up over $100,000, and that all contributed to him getting the boot, which is not something that you see very often from a guy who's drafted in the third round. Teams are not just going to cut ties with him before they've even had a chance to have them in their rookie season. But definitely an unfortunate situation from Ja'Kai and something that he could have avoided if he listened to the advice from Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham. And Mullen will allude to it in these comments, but he doesn't hide the fact that both he and Grantham advised him to come back for his senior season. That he could benefit from not only continuing to develop his body and get better as a player, but also mature off the field. And I think anytime that you see a guy make a decision to come back for a senior year, especially when he should, it's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of a guy making an adult decision and doing what's best for him and being 21 about it. And I think for Ja'Kai Polite, in hindsight, that was something that he should have given more consideration to. I understand where he was projected initially to go in some of these NFL mock drafts, but judging by what Mullen and Grantham say, I think that they kind of knew that he was going to have some issues, not just being evaluated as a player, but being evaluated off the field. Because as Mullen indicated Wednesday, he had some issues in terms of being late and some of the other things off the field while he was at Florida. And while that may lead to some discipline when he's in college, at the professional level, it's a totally different deal. And you cannot screw up, especially when you're already on thin ice, and expect nothing to happen to you. The good thing for Ja'Kai Polite is that he was able to land at a new spot. He's going to get a chance with the Seahawks to catch on with that team. Pete Carroll came out this week and said that the opportunity to sign Ja'Kai Polite is something that he just couldn't pass on. Carroll saying, we studied him very carefully and we were surprised that he was available, so we jumped at the opportunity. In terms of him being late for meetings with the Jets and getting fined for it, Carroll said that he'll get fined here too. We had next to no fines on this team the whole time, next to nothing. If someone jumps out like that, it would really be obvious. So Carroll feeling pretty confident that he's going to be able to get polite to follow all their team rules and policies. And maybe this can be certainly a learning and humbling experience for him now that he's not only gotten all the scrutiny that he faced going through the draft process in the combine, then falling a couple rounds later than he was expected to go, and now coming to a team and being cut. All of that could be the lessons that Ja'Kai needed to turn the corner and maybe exhibit the type of behavior that he's going to need to fulfill his potential. Because as you heard Mullen say and several other coaches say, he's got the talent to be a really good NFL player, but there's so many other things that go into that, and that's what he's going to have to figure out in Seattle. Hopefully he can do that, and here was Mullen's comments on that situation. 
I, I like Jakai, and obviously I'm, I'm, dis I'm upset for him or, or sad for him maybe uh, because everybody has, has dreams of trying to, you know, I mean, that's your goal, your dream to make it to the NFL. Um, hopefully a learning experience uh, for him and learning experience for other guys in the program, you know. Uh, I always think getting to the next level, there, there's multiple phases to, to do that. And, and as you make decisions, are you, are you talented enough one? Are you physically prepared? Are you mentally prepared? All of the, you know, um, you know and, and, you know, how's your, your work ethic, demeanor, attitude on a daily basis? Are you prepared to go perform at that level? Uh, it's a very different deal, right? I mean, if you watch, watch the hard knocks, uh, a really unique deal. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, you go, there's, well, 53 of the 90 that are there make it. I mean, you got to be pretty special to be the 90, right? And then, um, told there'd be no math today, um, but that's like almost what 40 percent, 35 percent. Also from that, get the boot. I was wondering because the fines and everything too. I mean, did you? Was that shocking? I, I saw to you? that. I didn't see what they were all. For. I don't know what late. they were for for being, being late. late. I mean, he was late sometimes for us, too. Um, but um, I don't know. Be interested. You know, I haven't got to speak to him uh, yet about it. So, um, but, you know, I mean, I, I feel bad for him that it, it turned out that way. You know, and you never know. He's got talent. Maybe he can, you know, find a way to refocus. Did he sign active or practice? You know, find a way to... you know, get, get those things, you know, the, the development he missed by not coming back this year, hopefully maybe he can find a way to get that development on a practice squad. That'll do it for today's episode. We discussed Dan Mullen's influence on the RPO and spread offenses that you now see. We shared his comments on Felipe Franks and number 13's thoughts on how he's been able to move forward from all the criticism that he's faced. We also discussed the backup situation quarterback at Florida and gave you Mullen's thoughts on Ja'Kai Polite. We weren't able to catch up with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun today. He came down with a cold, but we will catch him at a later time, and we will be back with you guys tomorrow. We will be back with you guys tomorrow to look ahead some more to this UT Martin game in our latest edition of Locked on Gators, your team every day.